didn't get to go back, you, you need to go back and listen to it on a podcast, listen, watch it on, on YouTube. We hit on this whole thing, and we talked about last week, one thing I said, and we were talking about anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide and stuff, and how, how there's a new pandemic amongst us. And it is basically, we're dealing with people that are struggling with that. In the thoughts of suicide, the second leading cause of death is suicide between the ages of 11 to 30. And what is a, a, so crazy, and it was almost like confirmation to me in a way, because I was like, which way should we go with this whole thing over the Christmas season? Because this don't seem like the good Christmas message. But God is always stirring the pot. He's always changing it up. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of always going through the traditional ways of how we think we need to do things. We have to be led because there's something being said. There was this post on uh, the Los Angeles Times and a couple of the other times. The general surgeon was warning of, an, of a youth mental health crisis that was going on. It's the craziest thing, was talking about the, the general surgeon on Tuesday said he issued a public health advisory, public health advisory on mental health challenges confronting youth to the whole country. There is a pandemic amongst us. There's a mental health crisis right now. And I'm not saying this because he said it. I'm just saying we've already been talking about this. And, and there is a huge issue at hand dealing with stuff like that. We, we need to inhale his grace. We need to exhale his praises. He created us. And why he created us, he created us so that we can take deep breaths and kind of reshape our heartbeat and our oxygen level. He created us to be in a moment. You know how fast our body heals? You bite your tongue, it starts healing itself. Babe, do you need a chair? You can sit up here with me. I don't care. Here. He did all these things. But the thing is, is we have to start taking an account for who he is inside of us. And we've been saying, we declare war on anxiety. And it's real. We deal with it. It's the Christmas season. It's the most wonderful time of the year, except this, this, and this. And I'm telling you, look at the word anxiety, anxiety attack. We deal with this all the time. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. When you hear this, you're always on the defense. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. But what if, church, what if we just flipped it around and started being on the offense of it? Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. 
Anxiety attack. No, attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Do you see the difference in just to, just to flip it? Sometimes you just got to flip the script real quick. Sometimes you just got to flip it real fast. It might say one thing, but you can just flip it over real fast and say, attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. You know, when war goes, they got to ring the bell. Hello, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We declare war. Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. Attack anxiety. <laughs> Scientists, research, they can't solve the problems. This is why we have to come to God in faith. Attack anxiety. And I hope today that when we start to get to this, this offensive stance on anxiety, attack anxiety. I'm tired of it attacking me. I'm going to start attacking anxiety. We got to flip the script on it. This is why faith is so important. Because faith begins where understanding ends. Let me say that one more time. Because sometimes we don't get this stuff. Faith begins where understanding ends. That's where we take the next step. I don't understand it, but we're going to walk it. Our church has been a prime example of faith. All we've done is walk by faith. It should not be a thing that we own 10 acres. We own this whole area. It should not be a thing that there is stuff in a warehouse with semis and box trucks and there's a fork truck over there. It's only by faith because our understanding stopped. Because if we went by our understanding, we wouldn't go any further. I can't live but in crazy faith. Just knowing that God can provide. When you bring it and it's so wild and out there, guess what? Let's go. Oh, I did that. Well, uh, hold on, hold on for he jumped the gun. When my understanding stops, that's when faith takes in. And faith takes in, that's where God's hands are in. We got to flip the script. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a... Now, I got my wife helping me out here. Of power and love and a... A sound mind. Flip the script. A sound mind. Attack anxiety. He's given us a sound mind. I want to tell you real quick today, God has not given you a sick mind. He's given you a sound mind, not a sick mind. Sickness is not your identity. Sickness is not your destination. Uh, God said, I've given you power. I've given you love, and I've given you a sound mind. It's not your identity. Whoo. You're going to need God's word to get through this. This is why we gather. This is why it's so important to gather. Because as you come into this place, hopefully God's word will supersede your situation. Hopefully his word will overtake your situation. I want to remind you that because you are dealing with anxiety or depression, that it, mean, that it doesn't mean that's who you are. 
Just because you're dealing with it doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because you're going through it doesn't mean you're stuck there. You're going through it. You're getting out. You're going to the other side. It doesn't identify you. You can get through it. God wants to use you. You have value. This isn't something new. This has happened throughout Scripture many times. There has been amazing men, amazing women throughout the Bible that has dealt with anxiety and has dealt with depression. This ain't a new thing. We've been dealing with this stuff for a very, very long time. And we're talking about it because if it's on God's heart, I'm going to open my mouth and say it. If it's a, almost like its own pandemic, we're going to talk about it. The church is going to be the front of it. We got to be more educated as a church to deal with it. We deal with people that are sick and we see the sickness, but we don't really deal with people that have sickness inside that we don't know. And we want to, like I said last week, our best response is you're just not praying hard enough. That's not our, that should not be our best response. Something's got to give in the church. Something's got to change. Did you know that Job, Job in the Bible, he cursed the day he was born and wished that he was a stillborn. Abraham called himself dust of the earth. Jonah wanted to die because a worm ate the plant he was sitting by. Paul said he despised even of life. Jesus, our Savior of the world, Jesus said his soul was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Elijah, Elijah was the suicide prophet. The suicidal prophet. And he asked God to kill him. David, this guy was borderline bipolar. For real. This guy was crazy. Borderline bipolar. One minute he's dancing before the Ark of the Covenant as it enters the city. The next minute he's writing, God, why have you forsaken me? Martha, she was so anxious that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus in her position that God called her to be. But she was so busy trying to prepare for the king. When he was there, no need to prepare. He's already home. She was so anxious. This is what you call high highs and low lows. I'm telling you this because if these men and women can be victorious in the life of God, how much more can you be? How much more does he love you? If they can be victorious throughout their, their frustrations and all the stuff they dealt with. Today, we are going to fight back against anxiety. Attack anxiety. <coughs> Attack anxiety. We're going to attack it. We're not just going to be waiting for it to happen. There has to be a plan. You have to create a plan of attack. And listen, I know you're going through situations. 
And I know we don't have enough to predict the future or the outcome of how it's going to go, but it's through God's word is how we're going to get through the future. It's through God's word. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word, say good word, but a good word makes it glad. I hope you come today for a good word. And listen, I'm just a broken person that's like a vessel that, that is God's piecing together, but a good word is only found in the word of God. A good word makes it glad no matter what you do, no matter if the anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. The Bible is a good word. The Bible is good. It's a good word. It's a good book. It's relevant today. It's mind-blowing. I'll say it a few times today that people don't think the Bible is relevant today. You got scriptures I've already read that are over 2,000 years old and saying that the, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. These things were happening years and years, thousands of years ago, still relevant today. We're still talking about it today. It's mind-boggling that people think the word of God doesn't exist. Or they're going to, do, they're going to just cut between that's Old Testament and that's New Testament. It's God-breathed from front to back. It's still good, good word, good book. He's good. Amen? The writer says, it causes depression, anxiety causes depression, but the good word makes it glad. Can I give you four good words today? I won't give you 50. Four good words. Let me give them to you real fast. Name. Stop. Shift, add. Can you all say it with me so we can be on the same page? Name. Do it again. Four good words. Name, stop, shift, add. On the attack against anxiety. Number one. Name the trigger. Name the trigger. Do you know what a trigger is? A trigger is any stimulus, like sight, smell, sound, that impacts our behavior. Name the trigger. Do you know what the trigger is in your life? When you're dealing with anxiety and depression, what is the trigger? Do you know the thing that creates the reaction out of you? Name the trigger. What is the thing that creates the reaction from you? That makes you anxious. That puts you into a state of depression. For all of us, it can be any stimulus. So when I say stimulus, you all think about money. Ooh, stimulus. Ooh, it's coming in the 17th, right? Ooh. Hallelujah. Right before Christmas. We're stimulized, aren't we? Woo! And your grandkids are going to pay for that. Anyway, um, I won't even go there right yet. 
but we get stimulized. What's the trigger? What is it? Sight, smell, sound. Something that causes a feeling. Maybe it's a, a place you go to. Maybe it's a smell you smell. Like, we, we think that's weird sometimes. But I promise, do you ever smell something and it takes you back? You're like, ooh, I remember that. Or it could be old, like grandma's cooking. Or, or it could be an old smell from some kind of cologne or perfume. Or it's an old song. Girl, you know if I play that one song. A little bit of Marvin Gaye. Okay, never mind. Um, too, too religious in here today, sorry. Boys the Men, Joe Deceit, like, I love Jesus and 90s R&B, whatever. Um, <laughs> needs to be a shirt, Kaylee. <laughs> but there's triggers that set us off. What is the trigger? What is the trigger? Maybe it's the time of year. Because some people lose loved ones during the holidays, and in that, it triggers something else. What is the trigger that sets it off, that, that starts the anxiety, that gets the depression activated? What is it? Maybe it's social media. What's so crazy about dealing with anxiety You're dealing with this, but yet you keep going to a place that keeps depleting you. You deal with it, but you keep taking it to the place that depletes you. What's the trigger? Whether you're online and, and you're comparing or consumed with other people's affairs, People deal with this with bad breakups and, 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 and maybe bad friendships or, uh, you know, when you're not with somebody or you're engaged or you used to be married and, and whatever the case is. See, back in the day when you had a breakup, what happened? You move on. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the day you moved on and if you heard anything, it was from so-and-so back and you finally got to a point of like, you know, I just don't want to hear about it. Well, what happens today? You, you stop following it today, you said goodbye in the physical, but you're still following it in the digital. We're saying goodbye, I'm done with this, but you're still following it. Like, oh, oh, now they're with them? Oh, yeah, I see. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. She's with him now. She's with him, probably because he's got abs or something. Oh, yeah, she's with him. It's probably because he has a job. You know, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, <coughs> we, we, we stop in the physical, but we're still connected in the digital. And we're wondering, what's these triggers? But we keep depleting ourselves because we keep going after certain things. Have you ever taken time to name the triggers in your life? This is so important to attack anxiety. You have to name the trigger. And what's crazy is that some of you honestly probably don't even know at the moment what, 
what caused it? What caused this stuff to happen? Attack anxiety. Church, attack anxiety. <laughs> we, we sitting around acting like that's, okay. Charge. <laughs> attack anxiety. Like we need some crazy ghetto people that's going to cut somebody and do something crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we need people that are like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. You got to get to that point where it's just like you say one more word. But that's how you need to be with anxiety. I'm over anxiety. I'm attacking it. I'm tired of it attacking me. If not, if you don't have the strength in that and you keep on back, you will not attack it. It will continue to attack you. You got to name the trigger. <laughs> we all have triggers. It's very important that you understand this one thing because we have to name the trigger, but you got to understand this very one thing, this very important thing. When you get angry on the outside, it, it correlates with depression. And you're like, well, how's this working? Well, the two are related. They're like cousins. Because cousin is a cousin depression is an inward anger. The two are related. So whenever you find yourself going off about something, it's in the same family when it comes to mental health because you're unable to control your feelings. There's a lot of things we can get anxious about and go off about. But a lot of times those triggers aren't just the instant triggers. They're not instant. They've been triggered a long ago in your past. So when the trigger gets hit again, it takes you back to when it first started. Call out the triggers in your life. When that trigger happens, it takes you back to wherever it happened first. And you have shaped your entire life around this one scenario. And sometimes we don't want to attack it because we don't know who we are outside of dealing with this anxiety. Because that's just who we are. And if I let that go, I don't know who I am because this moment in life happened to me. And I will not let it happen again, but I have shaped myself around it. But I tell you what, whatever hole gets pulled out, Christ will fill back up and make it whole. You have to call out the trigger. A lot of us in this room, we can't solve what we don't know. We can't solve what we don't know. And here's the problem. We keep attacking all the symptoms, but you're not getting down to the root of it. We can attack all day long all the symptoms until we get to the root of it. There's a story in Mark chapter 5. The story of a man, and this is kind of different, but it, it, it all connects. There's a story of a man who was demon-possessed. This man had a demon inside of him, and he could not control himself. He was throwing himself on the ground, throwing himself on the fire. He was so out of control. And Jesus approaches this man. Uh, can I give you a side, just a little side thing real fast? Do you know that God gave us the authority to cast out devils? 
just want to make sure we're in the same church because, uh, you know, there's still signs and wonders. And if we're not doing the casting out, or the, what are we dealing with then? There's lots of, lots of stuff going on. He's given us the authority. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He said, you even do greater things. What are we afraid of? Because we watch too many weird movies? You know, because Hollywood's got it on it, right? And we're scared now. Now we're scared of the dark. <laughs> and what's funny is the devil knows you're right, your you're, you're trigger. Mark 5, 9. Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. What's crazy is when he got the demon's name, he cast it out. What did Jesus do? He named the demon. What's crazy, when you cross-reference Mark 9, you go four chapters later, and there's another man who is possessed by a demon. And they bring the man to the disciples, and the disciples do everything they can to cast out this devil. I mean, everything. They're doing all kinds of weird stuff. Like, if it's modern day, I don't know if they're doing Jericho marches, flag waving, you know, water throwing. Like, I don't know. Okay, that's my church jokes, and it didn't work. But whatever. Um, <laughs> doing whatever it takes, and they could not cast out the demon. So they called Jesus. Yo, Jesus on the hotline. Yo. Jesus, uh, can you get over here? Because uh, we, we, we got this guy that's crazy. He's, his eyes are doing things, and he's foaming, and we can't cast him out. Mark 9, 25 says, Jesus saw the crowd and came running, to, uh, came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, You mute, you deaf spirit, come out and never enter him again. How come the disciples couldn't cast out the demon? Because the demon was deaf and mute and could not hear at all. Therefore, he could not either hear his name. What I want you to see today, you have to name it in order to change it. You have to name it to change it. Name your trigger. You have to actually understand what is the thing that's causing the anxiety what is causing the depression? What is that thing? It's not simply your environment, but rather something that took place with you that has to be uprooted so you can find healing, so it can be brought to the light. You have to name it in order to change it. Attack anxiety. So we have to name it. We have to name the trigger. The second one is we've got to stop. Catastrophizing. It's a big word, isn't it? Basically making a mountain out of a molehill. Stop catastrophizing. It's a term that a lot of us do. It could be something in the present. It could be something to the future. It could be something in the future. We can catastrophize something crazy that's not even there. It could be, okay, I'm on my way to work, and oh, I'm running late. 
And oh my gosh, if I'm late, you know, oh man, what's going to happen is there, you know, the boss is going to get at me. I'm going to get rode up and I'm going to be, I'm going to get fired. We start thinking of the worst case scenarios of stuff. And we start getting all this stuff in order. We're making a, a mountain out of a molehill and we're, we're, we're getting worked up. Stop that. Oh, I wonder what they're going to think. But if I don't respond, they're going to think something else. If I don't do this, they're going to think that. Well, if I don't talk to they're going to... Stop that. Stop that. You start thinking and wrote up all this stuff in your head. We make more out of something than what it really is. It's a phenomenon. It's, it's done all the time. You might have done it before you got here today. You might have done it this week. That's got to stop if you're going to attack anxiety. Many of you create these disaster dress rehearsals in your relationship. Basically, it's a disaster dress rehearsal. I'm getting prepared to go through a disaster. That's not actually going to happen. But I'm going to go ahead and get ready for it. We have to stop doing that. And what's crazy is we even do it with great, wonderful opportunities God has for us. He wants to do something great, but we stop it and we start thinking of the worst case scenario in the whole thing. Basically like the glass is half empty. You tell yourself all the ways it won't happen, all the ways that it can't happen, and you magnify and you amplify it. And all the while, you're wasting your imagination. Your whole imagination is wasted on what you think might happen. Well, if I take I-70, there might be a wreck because there's been wrecks before, so I'm scared to go on I-70. I don't know. Well, if I go this way, if I let the kids out, and they might just go around the block, but somebody might come up with a creeper van and act like they're going to give ice cream and then put them in the van and throw them down the street. And if I let my dog out, and then the other neighbor's dog's going to get him, and then the cat's going to get ate by the other dog, and then... We start doing it and we get anxious like, well, I can't do anything without, I got to hide. And we laugh about it, but we do this stuff. Stop doing it. We have to attack anxiety. We are creating an anxiety attack. Quit wasting your imagination. You're wasting it because you're using your imagination to protect yourself. If you're trying to protect yourself, you are creating this idea, if I already go over the disaster enough times in my mind, then when it does happen, I won't be hurt so bad. I'll go over it over and over, but if it really does happen, I won't be hurt so bad because I've already prepared myself. But it's a lie, church. Can you look at somebody and say, that's a lie? Maybe they'll hear you and not me. Okay, good. What happens is you are ruining and robbing yourself of the present moment you have right now to breathe and receive the moment of God, the greatest gift of all. You're robbing yourself of this moment by doing all that. We have to attack anxiety. We're robbing ourselves. In this moment, Mark Twain there's this little quote I saw in the past, and I wrote it down. He said it best. I've had a lot of worries in my life, most which never happened. That's it. 
I've had a lot of worries in my life, which most never happen. And like I said, 80% of the things you worry about will never happen to you. We're creating these moments, these, these dress rehearsal, disaster dress rehearsals. All right, guys, I need you to go ahead and get ready for your disaster dress rehearsal. Go ahead and line up and go ahead and read. Just go ahead and act out what you think is going to happen. Oh, if I come to church, they're going to judge me. If I do this, I don't know if I can walk in the doors. Oh, if I try to talk to this one, because I've been hurt before, so I'm going to, I'm going to actually put my hurt on this other person that actually really loves me. And we start dress rehearsing, and it's not fair to the other person, and it's not even fair to the church that the other church hurt you. See what I'm saying? We dress rehearse, and so many people get anxious before they walk in. And I'm telling you right now, I'm thankful you're here because nobody knows what it took for you to walk in these doors. But we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And we're thankful for it. But we create these disasters before when we get so worked up, we even got the jitters, and we're all worked up over something that's not happening. It's raining if it rains. I remember I was in a wreck when I was like 18, and if it rains, I got to... Uh, I don't know. People do this all the time. Oh, the moon's kind of bright, and if it's full, you know it's wild. I think it's going to be bad. People do this. This is a real deal. It's a phenomenon that we create this stuff, and it causes anxiety, gets us into depression, and we're like, God, deliver me from it. He's like, I'm trying to deliver you from your own mind. You got some crazy imagination about something that's not real. And we're all looking at each other like, where are they at? You want drugs? <laughs> because sometimes it's just like, why are you thinking this? We, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But a love and power and a sound mind. Sound mind. Let me, let me read this scripture to you. Does, if you're, if you're, um, I guess the, the question is, is, are you predicting a disaster or are you predicting a melody? You know, a melody is just something that just flows and, you, and you're just rolling with it. When you predict a disaster, your whole mind goes somewhere else. Like we've done this, right? Like I'm 40 years old. God rest my soul. Um, so some of us in our younger days, when scary movies went stupid, there was a movie called Final Destination. And anytime you see a truck with wood on it, we all think of this one thing in my age. We all think of this one thing. And we start having this disaster dress rehearsal as we drive, and we slow back and we scoot over. Not driving right behind it. I know. Do we not? Raise your hand if you've been with this situation with me. We've not all been in the same short bus, but we've all been in this situation. Let's just be real about it. You see it, and you're like, I'm switching lanes. <laughs> the devil is a liar. That's the devil. And the guy's just like, like I see you, sucker. <laughs> you're trying to hurt me. So what are we doing? What are we doing with this stuff? We get, all of a sudden our heart gets gripped. Oh, wood. <laughs> I'm glad that I have people with me on this, that I'm not the only one struggling here. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. 
Okay, Matthew, let me, if, here's, here's what Matthew says, and this is the, the word. And when we're dealing with this dress rehearsal disaster, catastrophizing all the stuff we're doing, we got to stop it. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, it's a big one. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat and what you will drink about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more what you will drink or nor what you're about your body, what you will put on? Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. And how they soar, nor they reap, nor they, they gather grain in the barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than a bird? Are you not more valuable than they? In which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? Wow, I think we're losing hours when we get anxious. And why are you anxious about clothing? <laughs> I need to ask that to all the teenagers. I don't like this. I want this. This is this. I don't like pants. I like leggings. I want hoodies. I want... Why are you so anxious about clothing? <laughs> Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil or, or spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory in his array like, like one of these. But God so clothes the grass and the fields which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven. Will he not much clothe you? And oh, you of little faith, do not be anxious, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all. You need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen? Do not be anxious for tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Tomorrow does its own dress rehearsal. Do not be anxious today. Crazy that people say they, they don't know the, you know, basically that the Bible is, is relevant. I mean, we're reading scriptures that today we still are applying, like I said before. Number three, shift the spotlight. Shift the spotlight. This is very important. And what you would understand as you study humanity is this. That the way you view yourself and the way that you think about yourself and the way you think and talk about yourself makes the difference in the world. It makes the difference, difference in the world. Humanity, 100% of the time, 100, 100. We all say that. It's real catchy now. Well, it's 100%, 100, 100. 100% of the time will behave according to who they believe they are. We will behave according to who we believe we are. What you think about yourself determines who you become in life. It's a mindset. Many times anxiety is birthed out of a place of shame. What's crazy is you won't talk to your worst enemy the way you talk about yourself. It, it's, it's wild. 
We, we beat ourselves up. I'm this, I'm that. We, we tear ourselves down. We won't even talk to our worst enemy the way we beat ourselves up. We do this to ourselves. We think negative thoughts. We talk negative ways. Because I believe I'm less, so I will behave like I'm less. I believe that I don't deserve it, so I will behave like I don't deserve it. Because I believe that I'm broken, so I'm going to behave like I'm broken. And this is why we need God's word. Because God's word supersedes our feelings. God's word overrides our feelings. We can't make decisions based on our feelings. God speaks to us, and this is what he declares. Church, hear me. You are not your past. You are not your mistakes. You are not even your future weaknesses. Rather, you are a child of God. Amen? You're a child of God. Let me, let me uh, bring over my toys. I got to plug it in. It's loud. It's, it's an old but goody. Some of you didn't realize it was here. It's been here for a while. Just kidding. This is a church production 101. Come on, somebody. So, do you ever notice when it comes to weaknesses, your challenges, your issues, when it comes to these things, that we think that everyone sees which we are not. That we think, I know this is going to hurt for a second, that the spotlight is on you when it comes to your weaknesses. And, and what's crazy is the light's on everybody. But what's really crazy over here is how narrow I can make this light and how pinpoint I can make it. And we really think, look, I'll go online. Boom. Sorry, buddy, in your eyes. But we think you watching that it's about you. It's about you. I'm all on you. All eyes on you. Hope the Colts win. All eyes on you, buddy. That we think that with our weaknesses, that all you know, they're just pointing it out. They're pointing it out. All eyes on you. All eyes on you, pops. Let's say, hey, glad you're here today. <laughs> all eyes on you that we think with the spotlight that it is all shifted on this. This is what happens when we're dealing with the anxiety. That we believe that everybody's watching. It's always pointed at me. It's always on me. It's always me. I bet they got, they're, everybody's watching this. Everybody's watching. Grandma, they're getting this. They're watching you, Grandma. You better watch it, girl. Rocking that shirt, you better stop. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But we, 
when we're dealing with stuff, we always think that the spotlight's just on me. Oh, they just know. Everybody knows. We, we think it's on us. The spotlight effect is a belief that we have in our mind. We have this thought in our mind. We overestimate. We, we make something bigger than what it is. So a lot of us walk through life with social anxiety because we think that this spotlight is directed on the situation of who I am. So a lot of us, we walk through it wondering what others think, wondering if they know, wondering if they, do you even like me? Wondering if you like me. Wondering if people know. I mean, this is how it is. You might find out like something's off on your outfit or you might have a moment where your zipper's down or something. And you know what I'm saying? Like weird stuff. And then you just go through and you're like, I bet everybody knew that. Oh, I missed the butt. I bet everybody knew that. And they were just staring at me and making fun of me. And you know, oh, I had a stain or, oh, I missed, mismatched my shoes. I'm wearing two different shoes. I wonder if they all knew that. But, and you, you go through it. And you're, you wonder the whole time you're walking around work or walking around school or whatever the case is, and you just got this whole thing. Oh, man, yep, yep, let me check your shoes. Yep, yeah, yep, mismatched socks. I saw it. Yep, 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 yep. And we're like, oh. And we get this whole, we start, we start caving in. Everything caves in because we're so consumed with, I bet they, I bet that, you know, I bet they, that's why they looked at me that way. When somebody could just be looking, you ever take a picture and somebody just is looking off and it looks like they're mad? And they're really not mad. You just caught them in a moment. Yeah, look, they're just snobbing at me in the background. I'm like, what if they were, something was in their nose and they just caught it? You know, like, it's not as deep as you think it is. We're, we're, we're doing this to ourselves. We got to shift the spotlight from our problems. We look at it. Eleanor Roosevelt said it best. You wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realize how rarely they do. She said it best. You wouldn't worry about what others think of you when you realize how rarely they do. Oh, the light's on you, Brandon. One wrong move, you're losing your pastor position. They're going to get you. I would have been fired a long time ago. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Give me five. <laughs> and and we, we, we think that it's on us. We, we, we're so consumed. And here's what you got to realize. The spotlight, it's on me right now. But the spotlight, it's not on you. Can I, can I help you out today? You might have a weakness but you're not weak. You might have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You might have failed, but you're not a failure. You have to shift the spotlight. Oh, I'm a failure. I made a mistake. I'm the mistake. And all the spot, I'm the mistake. Let me just zoom this in. Let me get this a little bit bigger so they can see me. I'm the mistake. Holy cow. I'm the mistake. And the moment you keep thinking the spotlight's on you and you keep staring into it, it's really hard to see anything else but the spotlight. 
Like, I can hardly see my notes. So I'm just going to wing it, okay? No. <laughs> but we, we focus so much on it because of what the enemy thinks we are. And God's trying to say, you're not weak. You're not a mistake. You're not a failure. Church, how you see yourself really matters. How you see yourself matters. How many of you have fallen victim to what we believe others think about us? We've done this. What others think about our mistakes, it causes anxiety that is not needed. Shift the spotlight. Shift the spotlight. Let me, let me tell you real fast, because I'm telling you, God, man, this was so good. Let me, let me read it to you real quick. John 18, 7, 17, so I can get, land this thing. The servant girl. How many times did Peter betray Jesus? Good. We got Bible class. Good job. Three times. <laughs> A man that said, I'll, I'll die for you. I'll do whatever it takes. Betrays him three times. Spotlight. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the, this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. He denies Christ to a little servant girl. Mistake, failure, not living up to who he actually is, denying that. He's afraid. I mean, well, let's think about Peter. He's afraid. Now this fear is causing anxiety because he, does, you know, he doesn't know what to predict of the future, but he knows that he can make one prediction because he followed Christ. He might, he might be whipped and beat and hung on a cross. He can predict the fact that if he was a follower of Christ, they would probably do the same thing they're doing to Jesus right now outside of the, the wall where he's at with this girl. <coughs> he does this three times. I'm going to flip it right real quick. John 18, 18. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire. Say charcoal fire. Say it louder. Charcoal fire. Okay, good. Because it was cold. Makes sense. They were standing and warming themselves. Spotlight on me. I'm Peter. And Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself, themselves, himself. Well, and what's crazy is they're all standing around. And they ask him again about, weren't you a guy that was, weren't you there? See, they were already doing this with the girl, and then they're asking him again, and he denies him again, and by the time he denies him again, then the rooster starts preaching. What we know from Scripture is that three times Peter denied Jesus. What we know from Scripture is that three times Peter denied Jesus from a charcoal. Whew, babe, you're with me. Come on. Just one person. That's amazing, too. Chandra, good job. From a charcoal. Fire. I'm trying to take you somewhere. You've got to see it because it's amazing how many times you read the same scripture it, over and over. 
And, and it, it comes to life in a different way from a charcoal fire. And you might think, man, Brandon, get to the point because it is getting done and I'm ready to eat. I get it. It's giving you anxiety. That's what we're dealing with. Let's go. I, I'm pointing this out because three chapters later, Jesus shows up in John chapter 21. Three chapters later, they got this charcoal fire. He denies them three times. Three chapters later, isn't it funny? Three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead and is resurrected and he's the new life. Three chapters from that later, he already went to the cross in hell and the grave, the good news. That's the stuff we rally around. Jesus died and we get to live. He came and he found Peter. And Peter has, hasn't necessarily quit life yet. Judas, by the way, had the same exact mistake as Peter had. But Ju Judas isolated himself, which caused more pain and eventually died by suicide. Judas and Peter did the same thing. They both denied Christ. But Judas isolated himself and could not come back from it. So Peter went back to what he knew before he was with Jesus. Let me just say something on this real fast. Too many times people think going back to your past is going to help your future. And it's not. Don't go back. Jesus goes to Peter, John 21, 9 and 10. When they got on land, they saw a, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of that fish that you've caught. See, when you just come from fishing, when he just came from fishing, Jesus already created a charcoal fire. And he's making them breakfast. From the very place that Peter, not once, not twice, but three times, in this very place by a charcoal fire, which three chapters back by a charcoal fire denied him three times, three times in the future, three chapters ahead, Peter, do you love me by a charcoal fire? Peter, do you love me by the charcoal fire? Peter, do you love me by the charcoal fire? Peter, do you know Jesus? No, I don't. Peter, do you know Jesus? No, I don't. Peter, do you know? No, I don't. What he's doing is Jesus is shifting the spotlight and putting it back on him and reconfirming his love for Peter. From the very place, I'm going to take you back to a charcoal fire, and I'm going to ask you three times the very thing you did three times, but I'm going to give you a chance three times. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? You betrayed me. You spoke against me. But I'm going to give you the same amount of time to confess and reconfirm re your love. Because what? Because Peter, you betrayed me, but you are not a betrayer. Because Peter, what? You failed me, but you are not a failure. 
Peter, what did you do? You made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. Shift the spotlight. He shifted it from one light of a fire to his light of a fire. Shift the spotlight. Rename it, reclaim it, shift the spotlight. You need to rename it to reclaim it. You need to reframe it to reshape it. Reframe it, reshape it. You might have done these things, but let me tell you, church, you are not these things. You are not these things. My fourth word, good word, is going to change it all. Say add. Add a dot, dot, dot. Add a dot, dot, dot. A lot of anxiety has to do with the future. A lot of anxiety is this thought we are, I am not what I saw myself being. I am not what I saw myself being. What do I do when my situation doesn't add up to my expectations? I tell you what you do, church. You add a dot, dot, dot. A lot of us, we think that our lives has been a punctuation with a period. That's just it. A lot of you think the sin... The sentence of your life has been cemented by a period. You think it's over. You're not believing for a brighter future. You're not believing for God for more. They're not asking, you're not asking God to show you in a situation. There's no fight back inside of you. I declare war. We have to see past the sentence of whatever the sentence is in your life right now. We have to see beyond the period. The simple idea is to do this. Add a dot, dot, dot. When I say dot, 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 talking about punctuation. It wasn't even always in our grammar. It was added in the 1500s and shortly later, Shakespeare started using it. You've seen it before, the three dots. It's an unfinished sentence. It's an unfinished sentence. Can you stand with me, guys? And I want to ask you to do something crazy. Is there a way that all of you guys can come up here? If you could all just come up here. It's a whole house. Just wanna, I want to read this to you. The cameras can stay on. They're fine. It's just what it is. It's fine. (laughs) Did that give you anxiety? Did you already think of something in your head as you woke up? (laughs) Shift the flight. Don't stop doing that. Ah, they're calling me up. (laughs) You know, they probably know. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? You can scoot in a little bit because we can make room. I'm actually purposely moved chairs this morning so you guys can all get up here. Isn't it crazy that we do this at church? Like when God like deals with our hearts to do something to make a make a statement or to come out 
Isn't it crazy that we do this at church? Like we literally like start having almost a panic attack. Or if somebody looks at you while you're preaching, they're like, they know. They know. And I'll just be preaching and they'll be like, you were staring at me. I was like, I don't know. I was probably staring through you because I'm not even really looking. <laughs> they just know. I'm like, I just, what do you mean you just know? Like, what are you talking about? Because we've had this dress rehearsal. Y'all got some weird outfits putting on this dress rehearsal. Okay, I'm ready for my disaster. Crash dummy, get in the car, you know. (laughs) And we do this as we come to church. I want to tell you a few things as before, before I close this out. Number one, this right here, attacking anxiety, I don't think we're going to talk about it anymore. This is it. We can do this. Next week is our Christmas service, which is going to be amazing. And it, what you just experienced with worship a little bit, the whole service is going to be that. We're going to get lost in his presence, lifting up the king of kings. And wherever the little baby boy is, he can be Jesus. It's cool. We'll just put him up here. Is there a couple of them? we got two Jesuses. All right, cool. And Jesus' girlfriend. Now I'm playing. <laughs> you got a beautiful baby. Can't wait to do the de- dedication. It's awesome. Um, but I want to tell you something before I finish this, too, that this is the last preaching service I'm doing this year because the following week we're not having church. God laid it on my heart and I was was shook a little bit because I started getting my dress rehearsal on for a disaster. What if they don't show up? What if they don't give? And what if they, like, what? Attack anxiety because God told me that the last week of of December that we basically are going to have like a like a sabbatical Sunday or, you know what I mean? We're just going to take a Sunday. We're not having youth on that Thursday. We're not having church on Sunday. We will have an online experience. So you'll be able to be at home with your family because I believe that God is about to do something in 2022 and y'all better get some rest. I don't know what it is. I mean, I kind of know some things with the way God's shifting us and, and we're, we're, about, we're about to the blueprint is getting rolled out. I'm just telling you. And you thought everything was wild. I'm excited about these people, you, these people, this church, you guys right now, because I'm excited about what God is about to do for 2022. So he told me, we're just going to shut it down. Now that don't make no sense about church. Who shuts church down? We do, I guess. (laughs) But I can't start doing the whole Oh, I'm going to dress rehearse this. This is going to be a disaster. And I got to shift the spotlight and put it back on the coals that Jesus made, not the coals somebody else made for my failures. And I'm telling you. So that last week is a rest week. That Thursday, that service, that kids, all that, we're going to do an online service. It will already be recorded. You just enjoy to be the day after Christmas. You enjoy your family at home. Watch on YouTube, Facebook Live. We are going to just, just be intimate with our family and rest and get ready for 2022. And it is okay. I've been to that church so many times that we're like, if you don't come Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night, if you don't do that, you're going to go to hell and burn. We got dressed in our rehearsal and everything's jacked up. I'm coming. Anybody my age know those days? I'm serious. Let me finish this. So in the end, we have to add a dot, dot, dot. 
If you're breathing right now, you are an unfinished sentence. Dot, dot, dot. If you're sighing right now, he, called, he, he told us to come up here. You're still an unfinished sentence. Dot, dot, dot. So what do we do? We, we do pray. We have to name the trigger. We got to stop catastrophizing everything. Quit the dress rehearsal. We have to shift the spotlight and put it on Jesus. Shift it out of our problems and put it on what he can do. We have to shift the spotlight. But then, all throughout your life, you have to add a dot, dot, dot. Attack anxiety. You have to see past the sentence. You have to see past the period. In Mark chapter 6, it's not on there. I'm just going to talk about it. But Jesus was getting done feeding 5,000 people. If you've gone to church any time, you've heard these stories. Then he puts the disciples in the boat and tells them the road to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. To get out there, they're about three to four miles out there. They've had some studies done that it was like three to four miles wide. And so they're out there, and Jesus is up on the mountain doing his thing with God. I'll meet you on the other side. I have to get away to climb so I can have a moment with God after the miracle that happens. You know when we're feeding all these people? You best get away with God and be thankful and ask him for the direction for the next time we got to do something. Don't run yourself empty. So they're, they're rowing to the other side. They didn't have gas or motor boats. They got motor arms. They're rowing to the other side. They're rowing right into a storm. Now, Jesus, why? Why are you going to lead me into a problem? Oh, I'm, I'm mad at the church now getting anxiety over this you caused the problem you knew it was gonna you did this and we start going through all this stuff again the triggers well what caused that trigger well you led me into a problem because when I was a kid the mom didn't do this with dad and then there was a huge problem and blah 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 so anytime there's a problem I always go back to this little boy And so they're rowing right into a storm. And you see the disciples. They're frantic. They're anxiety. There's, There's so much going on. They're about to give up. Water is filling up. And here comes Jesus. Because every time you get at that point of giving up, remind yourself to add a dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. It's not over yet. That wasn't the end of the this, this statement. Dot, dot, dot. There's still more to the story because here comes Jesus. Don't end your story. When you're going through stuff with your family or anything you're dealing with, don't end the story. Add the dot, dot, dot because Jesus is coming, walking on top of the major problem you're dealing with right now. 
And look, by the fact, because they know ain't nobody made to come up here. I just asked you if you could come up here. You can stay in your seat, but did you have anxiety? I wonder what they'll think if I just stay in my seat. Did you redress that for something else? We do this. I used to do this all the time. Uh, if I don't go up there, you know, because mama's going to pull my ear and yank me all the way up there. You're getting up there, son. You're going all the way. You're getting that. He's going to spit on you. You're going to get healed. <sighs> and here comes Jesus. And I want to I remind you, it's about four miles, and they've been about four miles. And here's the craziest thing. Because the other side was just... Listen, where they're frantic and they can't see because the storm's so bad. The other side, hear me. You're right here. You're right here to the other side. The other side for them as they're drowning was just inches away. It was four miles. They were already, it said, the historians were talking how they were already to the other side. And they were just inches away from the shore when they're freaking out. If that's the case, they probably could have got out and just stood. They were freaking out. You ever been in like shallow water if you went tubing out here, out there? And it's not that deep, but you got your legs up because you don't want to touch the bottom. And you're like, you ever done that? Am I the only one? Like, I ain't touching that because I got the shoes on because that's nasty. Or something's going to touch me. You know, like... And it's shallow, and you're just like, stand up. <laughs> and some people are just like crazy like that, Bayou Billies, and they just walk out there. And, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so they're inches away, guys. They are inches away. Let me tell you, they are closer than you think. They don't realize it because they've already put a period. Instead of a dot, dot, they were closer than they thought. The other side, church, is within your grasp. Attack anxiety. It's within your grasp. <laughs> you are an unfinished sentence. You have to see beyond the punctuation. You have to see beyond the season. You have to see beyond the hour. Beyond the minute. As I'm speaking, those thoughts might be in there. But Brandon, you don't know. Brandon, you have no clue. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know my health concern. You don't know what I'm going through with my kids. You don't know what's going on. You're inches away from the shore. You might think, how do I do it? How do I do this? I'm adding a dot, 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 but how do I do it? How do I do this? Church, it's one word. I didn't add that word, and it's okay, but you can add it because you're fast at typing. It's one word. It's one word that you need to put in your vocabulary. It needs to come out of your mouth all the time. And the word is yet. Yet. The word yet. You just add the word yet, and that's how you add the dot, dot, dot to your life. That's the word you have. And that's how you add it to your life. Does that make sense, church? I'm not healed. Let me say it again. I'm not healed. Dot, dot, dot. <sighs> My promise hasn't been fulfilled. I haven't seen revival. 
My business hasn't taken off. My marriage hasn't been restored. My kids haven't found Christ. The prodigal hasn't came home. Let me give you hope about a prodigal. I'm a busted, broke, disgusted prodigal. So if God can use me right here, or I can name a few handful of people. If God could get them in this room right now, I promise whoever it is in your family's life, yet, I promise, they can come home. God can transform a life. If a relationship's broken, God can tra- You're inches away. Attack anxiety. You're inches away. Yet, the prodigal's coming home. The prodigal hasn't come home yet. But what's the back end of this? But yet, I will praise him. But yet, I will worship him. And yet, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to attack anxiety. We declare war. Yet, I will praise the Lord. Yet, my soul will cry out. Dot, dot, dot. It's not over for me. This is it. Let's sing this song real quick and then we're going to get out of here. Attack anxiety. This is you. Because I can't attack it. Because I got to attack my own because you know my dress rehearsal is crazy. And my thoughts are crazy. And all the stuff, I got to stop doing that stuff. And I got to stop doing these things. I'm preaching to myself. I got to quit comparing. I got to quit going digital. I got to do the right thing. I got to add a dot, dot, dot. I'm inches away from it. Church, we're inches away from it. Because it's you. Because.